I confess that I am a little uh, soul-tired. I have taken the Holy Week Easter journey now six times, perhaps, in the last month with families and memorial services, and yet we approach the core story of our faith again this year, and I have found this Sunday, the fifth Sunday in Lent over the course of my career has become increasingly significant because I recognize in the week and Easter, we simply mostly just tell a story, and the story does its own work. This Sunday is a preparation, in some sense, for that holy work the church does. Also, I'd encourage you, uh, just pointing out the calendar a little bit, that in essence, we cannot be Christians without traveling Christ's journey during Holy Week to the cross. And so I would encourage you, as you pick out your schedule in the next two weeks, to attempt to do so without skipping the heart of Holy Week. So, next week here will be a, a, a festival Palm Sunday service at 9, which will include the triumphal entry, uh, with begin worship at the donkey. So find the donkey. Uh, and it will be a joyful time, but it, it will be telling the first part of the story. So if you attend the 9 o'clock service next week, I would encourage you to also attend the Good Friday service uh, that Friday at 7. It's only in that way that the story is complete. Now, if you're not likely to attend the Good Friday service at 7, I'd encourage you to perhaps attend the, attend the next Sunday's worship service at 10.30, and that will be a passion service, which will include all of the, the gospel story in the Passion Week and Gospel according to Mark. What I'd encourage you not to, go, not to do is skip from festival to festival without taking the journey we are about to speak of. What I have encountered most recently, and actually as folks' ears will perk up at the question of why did Jesus have to die? Uh, it seems to be you can't be Christian without having tangled with that question in some sense. And I'd like to throw a few darts at the dartboard today toward that question. And I will we'll confess to a little bit at the beginning to a little bit of sleight of hand in the sense that my first answer will be, well, because he did. <laughs> It's, there are simply facts in our life, uh, and it seems to be an unargued fact that in the first century, a Palestinian Jew named Jesus was crucified and tortured at the hands of the Roman Empire uh, during Holy Week in collusion with religious powers at the time. So why did Jesus have to die, in some sense, is a question that's it's not irrelevant, but my first answer would be, well, because it happened. It's a fact. And all other reflections begin on to find meaning in those facts. And the Christian faith is, in some sense, an effort that we have found decisively an extraordinary amount of meaning in that event. But if I could put it in, in another way, um, I will confess that I am now somewhat officially Californian. Now, I can look back over the course of my life, 
born in sort of white, actually literally wonder bread eating rural Missouri, and wonder about the sequence of events uh, that made me a Californian in this spot. Now, in reflecting on those, I might now go back and say language like you find in the Gospels, it is necessary that. In fact, it is necessary because I can't imagine anything else. I wouldn't be me without that. So some of our language about it is necessary, why did this have to happen, is a little like that, finding meaning in the life that we have. There's also some uh, tension around the fact that Jesus' life was entirely unique. And again, it's just simply a fact of human history that this story dramatically changed the course of humanity, particularly in the West. We can wonder why in various ways, but the fact it is, it's just a fact. It is, it is the case. And that actually begins me in to ponder a little bit what was significant in this story. So the first question as to why did Jesus have to die was simply that it happened. And so we have sought, seek to found meaning in it and have found so much meaning in it that it changed the course of history. I'm going to skip that. It's probably good. That didn't work in the first service. <laughs> so, if you were to ask me more deeply, so that, that's the first answer. It was just, I mean, the, we are, in fact, dealing with, with events in history. Both the uniqueness of the event and the life itself seems just to have happened. But what is, how have we found meaning in it? And I would probably say the most compelling explanation for me is the one Luke offers, that Jesus suffered a life that was in consequence of the way he lived. In a sense, the Gospel of Luke depicts Jesus as a prophet, a prophet in the great Old Testament tradition who speaks truth to power. And there's two ways of being prophet in the Old Testament. You can be the, the, the prophet that buckles and it says essentially what the king does, or the power of the world, or you can be the lonely prophet who holds on to the prophet's belief and speaks truth to power. And what happens to that prophet is oftentimes what we see happen in Jesus' life. I think early in Lent, I began to to place before us this image of there's two kinds of being powerful in the world and in the text of Scripture. I have called them, uh, with others, sort of a, a left-handed power and a right-handed power, two ways of being powerful. At the beginning of the text, in Genesis, I find the most compelling way to read Scripture and the most compelling way to find meaning in Christ's life to see at the very beginning the story of a God who sets aside being godlike, who sets aside what we call right-handed power, power over, power to control, power to force belief, order, a God who would 
wash creation of its sin by through a great flood. God, at the very beginning, God sets God's bow, God's bow and arrow, God's weapon of war aside and chooses another way. Martin Luther called this the theology of glory versus the theology of what will become the cross. Uh, Abraham Heschel, a Jewish scholar, called it the pathos of God, the suffering of God. But it's the idea that we have sort of a, a choice in human life, whether we follow a power, a God of glory, or we follow this other path that seems far more unpopular. The path of suffering alongside, the path of relinquishing control, and in fact, love cannot exist if we seek to control one another. And so at the very beginning, we have in Scripture the depiction of a God who sets aside the way of being powerful for the way of love. That's an easy Christian distinction. I would say the way of compassion, the way of suffering alongside the unjust, of fighting for those vulnerable. In other words, we will find meaning in the life of the prophet who goes forth into the world to speak truth to power and fight for the rights of justice and compassion. If we look at Luke and other moments in the New Testament, this is what Jesus did. Next week, we will experience a holy week, which is the collision of two forces, two powers in the world. Christ's work of bringing compassion and love and choosing never ever to submit to the power of controlling others. And we will see the inevitable result of that voice in the world, which is the forces of power and evil do all they can to crush it. It is a phenomena in history. So in some sense, this human life stands for that calling in the world to follow the act of prophetic resistance, the refusal to control others. And it's only from that path that love is born. Once love becomes an, a, an effort to control one another, to enforce one's will, it ceases to be love. So my second answer to why Christ died was Christ died as a consequence of the life, the message that he chose to live. And we are called to follow that life in the world. And it comes at great consequence. It's not, it's not a casual thing to accept the life of the lonely prophet walking into Jerusalem into the collision of that message with the powers that be. We see in the lives of great martyrs, obviously the easiest ones for a lazy preacher would be Martin Luther King. Again, that is repeated again in history. We have Gandhi. But you can even look more closely into history to the phenomena around our children standing up and marching against violence. You can see immediately in the consequences of their action 
the powers of the world marshalling against that voice. We follow a crucified and risen Savior. One vulnerable to the world in order that He might save us from within. Call us to be loving. In a moment, you'll offer the prayer of St. Francis. The prayer of St. Francis, as you go through it, sets aside the right-handed power, the power of control for the other thing. It's a remarkable prayer. So, one, why did Jesus die? Because it was an event in history. It did happen. Two, how do we understand it? It is a story of speaking truth to power, perhaps the archetypal, the typical story of what happens when one speaks the truth to power. It's a consequence of the message we preach, the resistance we face. The powers of the world will always marshal against it. It's a consequence of the message. So I'd leave you with those thoughts as we look into Holy Week, but one other. The Gospel of John then moves into this entire other territory, which we've had difficulty with. And the Gospel suggests that peering into the story is to see God, the nature, the true nature of God in the world. It's a little mystical, we don't always go there. But, you know, I've heard this from you. Over the years, I've heard folks marshal around the the phrase that even mentioned in yoga, namaste, the divine light in me acknowledges the divine light in you. At the foot of the cross, we will ponder what it means to say, looking up at Jesus, the divine light in me honors the divine light in you. Where then, what does that say about the divine light? At our best, we have imagined a God unlike the God of power and glory that we long for. Instead, what Christians at our best try to say is that God is like a Savior crucified who walks into the world and suffers the consequences of being with and for the world instead of over it. Holy Week and Easter, we will contemplate just the fact of history. We will find meaning in it in a Savior who walks into Jerusalem and is crushed by the power of the world. And perhaps we will even notice a God with us. The crucified God. But in three days later, we will discover it is a power that cannot be quenched. The power of love is the last word in our story. Namaste. May God be with us. And to God alone will be the glory, now and forever. Amen.